the name of God, who is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Don't get nervous. I'm going to come down and join you. Unless anybody, you're not going to throw things at me. Okay, good. My name is Sean Walmsley. I serve all of you and our bishop as candidates to the ordinary. It's a joy to get to be with you. I'm here at the invitation of your rector, Father Daniel, and the vestry. And for that, I want to say thank you. Uh, we get to go around every Sunday to a different one of our churches to spend time so that you know a uh, face and you can match a face to a name and we build the community in that way. So it's a joy to be here and it's a special privilege of my ministry that whenever I go places, I get to say hello from the bishop as well. So I bring his greetings and his blessings. I hope it's not a surprise to you that every day in our office, the bishop's office, we pray. And on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we pray the uh, daily office. On Tuesday and Thursday, we have Holy Eucharist together. And I bring it up because I want you to know that you are the subject of those prayers. St. Paul's, for this whole last week, I have named you specifically in my prayers. This coming week, I will continue to name you in my prayers. And I think it's important for you to know that your bishop and his staff are praying for you. That he loves you and he sends his greetings. So thank you. It's a joy to be with you. It's also a joy to get to open Advent. This is a fantastic time of year, but for none of the reasons that any of you are thinking, I'm guessing. I hate to make blanket statements, but there you go. It reminds me always, this time of year, of the first time my wife and I had a child. Now, she has had three children, my oldest son, my middle son, and my baby girl. We have three kids. And I remember the first child, and I remember her pregnancy, and I remember all of the trepidation that I had surrounding that pregnancy. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings for you to hear from me that I am a selfish human being. Most of my thoughts throughout any given day are about me. What am I going to eat? What do I want to wear? Is that something that I like? Ooh, I love this song. I hate that one. Oh, why can't this guy get out of my way? Use your signal. What's wrong with you? Go back to Jersey. I mean, you see. Ah, these are things. My whole life is about me, and, and I was in a self-reflective place when my wife was pregnant with our first child, and so I did a lot of thinking, and I really was kind of worried. I was, and the worry was this, am I going to have enough space in my selfish life for another human being? Ladies, you're better people than we are, we're just going to say it. Gentlemen, I didn't even ask permission. I'm, I'm just going to say it on behalf of everyone. You're better people than we are. I don't know if, if women have this struggle. But as, as a father, soon to be dad, I thought, am I going to love this little creature? And I worried. And the day came, and he was born. And I held him. And it was this miracle of light in my life. A mystery, great and deep, 
as old as time, happened for me. My heart expanded. And I thought, yeah, I've got room for this baby in my life. I've got room for this child. I wish I could tell you that that was a unique experience. It wasn't. When my son, my second son was coming, my wife was pregnant again, I was sitting in the hospital thinking, I've already got one. I like him fine. <laughs> it, it was more than that. I, I loved this boy. He took up all of my time and all of my energy and all of my attention. And I thought, how in the world am I going to love another human being? How is it going to happen? And then the second one got there and he was a goblin. I couldn't stand it. No, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> Again, my son was born and then my daughter was born and my life just kept expanding. Life kept growing in my life and in my heart. And it wasn't just a miracle of childbirth. It wasn't just a miracle of family. This world is harsh and it is cold and it has taught us that not everybody gets to have that. But because of everything that was working in my life, because of Jesus Christ, because of faith, because of people who invested in me, because of all of these things, that ground, <coughs> excuse me, the ground of my heart had been turned over and it had been fertilized and it bore fruit. Because the community had put in for me. Because people prayed for me. Because I worship. Because I have all of the things that I hope each of you have come to enjoy right here. Right now. And so we ask you to go into Advent and we ask you to do something really, really weird. Do you know what that is? It's actually kind of countercultural at this very moment. What is happening? in the world around you, right now. It's been happening since last Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Explosions of light, correct? There is tinsel and red velvet and fabricated lights and LEDs and things are blinking and the music is blaring in the world right now. They are trying to just illuminate. It's so loud, it's almost even kind of violent, right? And what does the church say to do? In Advent, we are now asking you, sons and daughters of the Most High, we are saying, plunge yourself into darkness. What? Darkness? Are you not paying attention to what's going on? And by the way, can we write a new Christmas song? <laughs> I have heard... Last Christmas since the 80s, every single year. And we loved being Crosby, and it was great. And then Michael Buble came, and we thought, maybe we'll get something new. But he's just singing Bing stuff. <laughs> There's this weird nostalgia that starts to swirl in that storm of lights and sound and cheer. And it kind of gets whipped into a frenzy by people with funny shoes and pointy hats. No, I'm not talking about the bishop. I mean this other really weird modern-day pop culture uh, prophet. Children, you're going to help me here, and I know that you will know, because everybody has learned from this prophet that the best way to spread Christmas cheer, kids, 
I tried singing loud for all to hear. And what underlies all of that is why we have to go into darkness. There is a yearning in our collective human experience. And I'm not sure that everyone always acknowledges important or knows what that yearning is for. But we're in that time of year, aren't we? We wake up in darkness. When we go home from work or school, we're going there in darkness. It's not hard to imagine that God is calling us to a place where we have to wait and we have to watch. But what is that waiting and what is that watching for? What is it about? And how do we do it in the midst of this light storm? That waiting and that watching is about that expectation. Remember I told you about it? That worry that I had? I hope you have the same worry. Jesus is coming. We know on December 25th we will celebrate the birth of the Son. And then the world around us will pack up and we're done. I mean like on and off and it's, it's over. Now we're selling Valentine hearts and, and pink things everywhere. We're anticipating the birth of a son and I hope we're each asking ourselves over the next several weeks, is there room, is there space in my heart to love this child again? Can I give everything I've got to Jesus for another year? And I'm talk, talking about this weird kind of confessional, your salvation is hanging in the balancing, but I mean, are we being deliberate and are we being preparatory about the fact that we go into our world and we know what they are yearning for? All of this light, all of this nostalgia, all of this flashing is a yearning, and it is a yearning for the wholeness. It is a yearning for the hope. It is a yearning for the faith of Jesus Christ. And we, the church, are the ones who know that. We, the church, are the ones who have that. And if everything we say and everything we do, especially in Advent, isn't about Jesus, then we're not being the church. Father, I thought for sure somebody would say amen. I just... <laughs> amen. <coughs> you guys are fun. I love you. All right, I will. He told me I had an hour to preach, so don't worry. <laughs> Settle in, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> that yearning is real, and it is common in our human experience. And we are the ones who are called to share the light and the life and the hope of Jesus Christ as an answer to that yearning. And we see it in our weird Advent 1 apocalyptic readings. Did you notice this? It's like, yay, the world thinks it's Christmas, and we come to church, and it's like... Fire and apocalypse and doom and explosions and watch and listen and wait and don't, you know. We're looking at it backward from the front, anticipating another forward movement, and there's all this fascinating, swirling stuff that I won't nerd out entirely with you about right here, right now, but we know what the yearning is. The yearning is for a city set high on the hill. The yearning is for a community 
that takes its plowshares and beats it. It beats, takes its swords and beats them into plowshares. The yearning is for a world in which we neither learn nor practice war anymore. The yearning in all of humanity is for us to know that when we're down and when things are hard, someone will be looking out for us. The yearning in all of humanity is for us finally to grasp and to give each other the vulnerability and the permission to serve and to be open, to take care of one another, and to know that when we share, there is an abundance out there that means everyone gets to a participate. In spite of the fact that everyone around us clamors and, and claws like there's something of scarcity. And the one thing you need to know to make sure that all of this works, the one thing you need to know about the coming of that child, the birth that we're all awaiting, is it all hinges on one important truth and fact. And if you don't hear me say anything else this morning, hear me say this. It's all about the way God thinks of you. And when you know what God thinks about you, and you live that truth, it's going to change the world. Do you, do you know what God thinks about you? Oh good, I'm going to tell you. You are God's beloved. Each one of you. You are God's beloved. God delights in you. God delights in you. For no other reason than you are. <coughs> Why are that you too? <laughs> you are God's beloved. God delights in you for no other reason than you are. And you have to hear this and you have to know this because it is the light that is shining in the darkness. Jesus, who is the King of Peace, the Christ who has come to be Messiah and to res rescue us, gave His life on a cross because God delights in you. There's a miracle of resurrection that happens at the end of our story because God delights in you. And there's no transaction that happens here. There is no transaction other than the one that happens at the foot of the cross. You cannot be good enough to make God love you more than God already loves you. You cannot be holy enough. You cannot be smart enough. There are no amount of degrees that you can earn. There is not enough amount of money that you can earn. There is not enough success for God to love you anymore than you are already loved. And some of you really need to hear the next part. Not only can you not earn God's love, you can't ruin God's love. You can't do anything so bad to turn away the tidal wave of grace headed your direction. You can't mess up the other relationships of your life enough 
for God to not want to be near you. There is no harm that falls outside of God's grace and God's reach. Now here's why you're going to change the world when you finally own that. Because when you finally own that, and you finally understand it within the context of this huge story that we're all living, you will understand that not only does God feel that way about you, God feels that way about every other person in this world. Every neighbor, every friend, every classmate, every person you walk across on the street, God delights in them. Every coworker, every Jersey driver. <laughs> God delights in them. And do you know who needs to tell them? You do. You do. And so that's what that yearning is for. In 24 days, you're going to experience a mystery. You're going to experience a miracle. There will be the birth of a child and you will find out that somehow your heart has expanded. Somehow the space in your life has grown. And yes, you can love that child. And dedicate your life to him and tell others about him. Amen?